and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. So, Eric, I was looking at this up, and the last time you were on with me, it's been a minute since you came on, but the last episode that you and I did together was on November 22nd of 2022. That was coming off of, they had just had the six-game road trip where they went four and two, mm-hmm. and then they had the three-game homestand where they lost the Utah game and the Brooklyn game, and then they had the first game of that next road trip where they lost to the Bucks. And the title of that episode was Blazers Hit a Rough Patch. <laughs> so it turns six, out... Six weeks later. <laughs> six weeks later, I mean, they did pull out of it for a little bit. And now, what, I, if that was a rough patch, this is an even bigger rough patch what they're in now. They've, they've, over the last uh, 12 games, they are 4-8. and eight, And their four wins have come against San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, and Detroit, which are literally the four worst teams in the league. Those are the four teams they've beaten over the last three and a half weeks. Yeah, I mean, Portland had kind of got had skated by a lot of the the, the stuff that everyone usually deals with during the NBA season, and it hit them at that time. And now they're getting really hit in a place where, like, a lot of teams just haven't been, and and, and they're you know, or a lot of teams have been this season. I mean, you look at across the Western Conference. Uh huh. You see Phoenix with Devin Booker going down, and and the the fun the kind of weird thing about it is is this is happening now when the Blazers are somewhat full strength, like they they were kind of surviving and stringing wins together, and then Dame came back and they got a boost from that, and then now they're kind of full strength, except for the Gary Payton thing, which look I know that he's doing his best to get back, uh, I know it's a tough injury. But I have to imagine, and I think for the players, they're saying all the right things. But psychologically, if it's psychological, psychologically difficult for the play, for fans after seeing Gary Payton play in a game and then have him not play in the last three, you have to imagine that it might be a little deflating if you're one of his teammates. Like, it just it might be. Like, the, the fact that, like, I think we have to say that that is a potential possibility, even if they won't say that it is deflating, because they won't. I'm sure that it is, especially... The day before the Toronto game yesterday, they list him as probable with the ankle thing. And then right before the game, they say, actually, he had some discomfort in his warm-up, and so he's not going to play. So it's kind of just like, you know, the late... Because if they, if they had ruled him out again, like, like I think we had a pretty good idea that he wasn't going to play in the Minnesota game or the Indy game. And so I guess guys could, like, prepare for that. But if everybody kind of thought until two hours before the game that he was going to play in Toronto... Then and then you know they have the rug pulled out from under them in that way. And again, this is not to any I you know we you know we we've kind of talked about this before. I this is not through any fault of Gary. He's doing what he can. It's just you know the way that it's been messaged and the way that the you know the whole thing has been handled from like an optics standpoint. Like 
I think you're probably right that a lot of these players, and this is not something that they obviously would ever say on the record. This is also not something I've heard behind the scenes either, but it would not surprise me if some of them would feel like, you know, oh, cool, we might get our guy back. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I just wonder that it might feel a little bit deflating is all mm-hmm. that, that I'm saying. Like, even if they're not going to say it because they're not going to throw their guy under the bus, like no one's saying that the Blazers – should come out and say, yeah, man, it really sucks that Gary couldn't play right. the other day. Like, no, because no one should, they shouldn't say that. But it is just, it, it, it's got to be a bit of a bummer. And, like, they also just got their asses kicked on this trip. Like, yes. they, they, like, regardless of whether they have Gary or not, like, the way they played on this trip was really, really bad. And we, we could talk about all the all, all that that we want, but the fact is that he didn't play, and the Blazers had most of their guys, three guys who the team is promoting – as all-star candidates, like you have all those guys in uniform and you fail to win one of those games. Like that's a bad trip. And it, it was, it was, I mean, the, the, the last two games, I mean, the, the, those were some of the roughest offensive stretches I've seen. And it, it's, it's kind of, it's this cruel thing. And it reminds me of something that Terry Stotts would always say is that it's always something is that like uh-huh. Portland's defense gets a, the tiniest bit better over this trip, but their offense falls off to such a ridiculous like i mean the two the final drops- seven minutes of the of the indie game and then the first uh what was it like the first six minutes of the second quarter against toronto and then the first five minutes of the third quarter like they had two you know multi-minute scoring droughts to begin two quarters somehow they still only you know they got to within five or within two or within three or whatever it was by the middle of the end of the fourth quarter and they still were in a position where they could have won that game even besides that but it's like you can't, you, there's only so many times in a row that you can say, well, you know, we did make a shot for the first half of a quarter and we were still in it. Like at a certain point, you got to start not not making shots for, you know, then to tire halves of quarters or more at a time. Well, I think it also could maybe speak to a little bit of like, also maybe something about this team that seems to be the case is that when their offense wasn't that great at the start of the season, it felt like they were playing better defense. And then once their offense started to click, it felt like they relaxed a little bit on defense and maybe some of that defensive improvement was just like, Hey, they were playing so poorly on offense that they had to play hard on defense. And I feel like that's like the, 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 the constant battle always, but uh, you know, this team, I thought they played pretty good defense on the trip, which kind of sucks. It's just like they played pretty good defense, which is like the thing that everyone had been saying they needed to do. And they did that. And they still went on three because their offense and the turnovers have reached a critical mass. Like the turnovers is- are just I don't know how to like it's not even like, oh, it's just this one guy that's doing it because it's everybody. Like Dame's been doing it, Ant's been doing it, Nurk's Nurk been doing been it. Doing like it. everybody's Grant, okay, like Jeremy Grant occasionally like but it's just like heart. Heart yeah. heart. I mean heart, I swear I mean my least favorite turnover has got to be the Josh Hart passes up an open three and it leads to a bad pass or an offensive foul. Or a 24-second violation. Or a 24-second violation. Like, like, and last night, like, or yesterday afternoon, you know, I'll be honest, I was watching some football as well and also doing house chores because it was a Sunday. Yes. I was watching the game pretty attentively. I think I saw, you know, while I was doing a lot of different things, I think I saw, like, six offensive fouls by the Blazers. Like, uh-huh. just, like, jumping to pass to nobody, 
running into the guy under, and like the, the Raptors are a good defensive team. It's like the and they weren't even the and they weren't even like bad call. Like I know that there was a lot of talk about the officiating yesterday because that out of bounds call that Chauncey had to use his challenge on was like one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Those offensive fouls were not bad calls. Those were fouls. Those were bad plays that they made that they didn't have to make and that easily could have been avoided. Yeah, and and look, I mean, and the challenge. Let's let's be honest. Like Chauncey was probably never going to use that challenge anyway. He, he doesn't, doesn't use a lot of he challenges. He doesn't use challenges. Like, it is, like, one of the things as a coach that I'm just, like, I kind of wish he was a little bit looser with. Like, I like I wish – like, I know that Nurk begs for a challenge. On every, every single time he comes uh, so, 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 like, I get Chauncey, like, maybe trying to teach Nurk a lesson. Like, hey, buddy, I can't bail you out. Like, I, I you can't – you just got to not foul. And the Blazers, also one of the reasons they've dipped in defense lately is that their foul – they fouled, they're fouling a lot more than they were before mm-hmm. um, and giving up a lot more free throws. But I would just like, you know, especially in the sometimes in the first half of games, I, I wish he was a little bit more flexible because it does seem like he has like a hard and fast rule that no, under any circumstances, never will use a challenge in the first half. And like, I do think sometimes he's got to be a little bit more flexible and like let the game talk to him a little bit instead of like, being so rigid with some of his rules. I, I wish that was like, like he's really flexible with rotations and with, uh, with trying new defenses. But the challenges thing is just like the one thing I wish that's, that's one of the things about, about Chauncey that I think is, is the one thing that I can really just point to is be like, I wish sometimes he would be a little bit more rela- like aggressive with challenging calls, especially when it's, you know, maybe an important play in the game or if you're down, like it's just something that I, I, I that I wish, I mean, he's growing as a coach. You know, it's still his only right, second everybody's year. Everybody's kind of feeling it out, but yeah. But that's what I think. I, just, I sometimes I wish the challenge, the, the lack of challenging, is a little rigid sometimes. And I know you only get one, but like, right? Uh, sometimes it, a, a call in the second quarter can set the tone for the whole game, and 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 so I, that's just where I stand on that. That's just one of my takes. And I think well, we kind of thought that a call in the second quarter was going to set the tone yesterday with the Raptors when. Pascal Siakam grabbed Dame's foot and pulled him to the ground, and they called it a flagrant. And then for the rest of that quarter, like I don't remember the exact, you know, the exact deficit, but Portland was down like twelve or fourteen at that point. And then after that foul that Siakam committed on Dame, that was called a flagrant. Dame and I mean, really because you know the rest of the team followed him, they all kind of started playing with an edge after that, and they cut the deficit to five at the half. And I thought, oh, well, that Siakam foul, that's going to completely turn the game around. And now they're kind of are getting back, you know, they're getting some fire back or whatever. And then they come out in the third quarter and they don't score for the first five minutes. And it just goes right back to what it was before that foul happened. Yeah, it, it was it was wild. Like, I, I was watching the game. I was like, oh, yeah, they probably made a basket. It's like a 11 to 2 run. And it was like, no, I was like, no, it's... Those two points six, were free so, throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like there, there was no... There was no offense, and they couldn't score. And and Nurk wasn't really, you know, taking advantage of his uh, of the smaller Toronto team. And it was just all around just a bad game. And and the the sloppiness let Toronto play in transition, which is their really their only good offense. I mean, I mean Siakam can score against most people, but like when you get into the half court, I mean that was when Portland was having success was when they were getting in the half court and letting, you know, playing 10, 15 feet off Scotty Barnes, like letting him shoot and, and gumming up the paint. And like that, were that, that's how it became a close game because, you know, the, the, the Blazers, you know, were able to get some stops at certain points and, and eventually make some shots. But 
you're just not going to win games when you have, like you said, half a quarter where you don't score. Like it's, it's such a, it's so, it's twice in the so, same game. You do it's that. A fundamental. It's like, a, like, especially in the NBA, like, like, cause the other team's going to figure out a way to score. I don't like, most games are not going to be like the game that one game I think was a Milwaukee Toronto yeah, yeah earlier like, this earlier this week when it was like 11 to 13 at the end of the first quarter like most times that's not going to happen one of the teams is going to make a shot if you're not so it it's like it was a it was a tough road trip i guess you know the one great thing is that like hey you're through 24 road games now you only have 17 remaining and that means that you have the majority of your schedule at home but you know, being at home hasn't guaranteed many things. I mean, at the start of the season, the Blazers were a better road team than they were a home team. And look, uh, tomorrow's game, the Orlando Magic, like they're not a playoff team, but they have the rookie of the year. They have maybe the most interesting non-rookie in Bowl Bowl, mm-hmm. like like in terms of and, – and then they've just got a lot of talent on their team, and they've beaten Golden State twice. They've beaten Boston twice. So they're coming home. Like last time they came off a bad trip, they came home to play Detroit. This time they got to play Orlando, who actually has a lot of really good, talented players. And look, I'm just saying, like, don't be surprised if they lose tomorrow. I mean, you're looking at the schedule. So like you said, the good thing for them is they've been on the road so much. They only have one one more road game the rest of the month of january which is a one-off uh, in denver in, in a couple weeks but so look at so this is this is the teams that they're playing orlando who as you just said they're not a playoff team but that's not a walkover team that's not a, like a charlotte or detroit or houston level terrible team yeah they've beaten good teams as, I, as i've mentioned you've got the Cavs, who are good you've got the mavericks who are good and have you know an mvp candidate in luca and have beaten the blazers both times they've already played this season they, they play them twice in a row They've got Denver, who has an MVP candidate and right now is probably the best team in the West. And the Blazers beat him at the beginning of the season, but they've won the last two. You've got Philly, who's good. I don't know if MB- I don't know how serious this Embiid foot thing is going to be, but you know th- that's still a team that you shouldn't say, oh, they should beat Philly. They've got the Lakers, who are pretty unserious, but also like AD might be back by then. They've won a bunch lately. Like I assume LeBron's going to play in that game. Like you can't just like write that one off. San Antonio, they should get that one. That's the only one that I'm looking at in, the, in this month on the 23rd San Antonio. That that one, that's the only one where you're like, yeah, they should win that one. Then they've got Utah, who has come back down to earth since that hot start, but are still, you know, hanging around. You've got Toronto, who just beat them yesterday. And then you've got uh, Atlanta, who has, you know, a ton of their own issues, but that's still a team with talent that you can't just write off and say, oh, there's no way they're going to lose to them. And then you go on this road trip and you have... Uh, Memphis, Washington, Chicago, who's been playing better lately. And then you come home and you have Milwaukee, Golden State, who they both lost to. Oklahoma City, who they, they have lost, lost to twice. Yeah. The Lakers, who, again, like, not a good team, but still, like, you know, they have LeBron. And if, if AD's healthy, they have AD. And they did and, beat them the last time they played in Yes, in they LA. did. Albeit without Dane, but yes. And then Washington. Like, this is not, like, even though they're home a lot. This is not like a bunch of like after the All Star break they have a lot of games against like a San like like you know oh I, I guess we can't even count Oklahoma City as one of the things like they have Houston a couple more times after the break and they have like well if they, if, they, if they if Shy has an injury in right, March, if right, Shy right. has an injury in March like then yes 
Oklahoma City is a different story. Right. The point, the point being, yes, they have a lot more home games, but I just ran down like this whole schedule. The only team that they're playing before the All-Star break that you look at and say, yeah, that should be a gimme is San Antonio. Yeah, so like this is major, major important. This is a huge time for the Blazers, and it's great that they're at home, but home isn't like it's not like that's not the biggest problem. Like, I mean, they got a lot of really good teams. Cleveland is, you know, that's your team for the Eastern Conference. I mean, that that, that that's, I mean, this if is the Celtics be, are your squad. That's my squad. Yeah, this, the Cavs, the Cavs are your squad. Uh, so, look, I I, I think. This is going to be an important stretch. I think they can they can win games at home, and I think they. I mean, they've they've beaten teams like this on the road earlier this year. Like they've proven that they can beat the best teams in the league. It's they have, but they just haven't done it now for six for almost two months. Yeah. So like, like they haven't done it for almost two months, and at a certain point, you you wonder like wh- where that's going, and so. Uh, they should be getting. I should. I should also point out they should be getting back to full strength health wise soon because I know you mentioned earlier that they are mostly at full strength. The thing you do have to keep in mind is that out of their bench, their their five starters have been pretty much healthy and in the lineup for the last month or so. Like they all missed time before that. Their bench right now is two rookies, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, two second year guys, Trendon Watford and Keon Johnson, and Drew Eubanks. So, I mean, I think not having, I mean, I don't want to say this to excuse anything because they, there were a bunch of these games that they should have won, but not having Justice Winslow, Nasir Little, and Gary Payton all at the same time, having all of those guys be out, you basically have no actual veteran experience at all on your bench. And because of that, if you're Chauncey Billups and you're in these games enough to be able to win them, you're not going to like be playing, you know, Trendon Watford and Shaden Sharp a bunch of extended minutes. You're going to ride your veterans more and your starters, and that's going to lead to, you know, Dame and Ant and Jeremy playing high 30s, low 40s in their minutes, which is what everybody kind of said they wanted to avoid. And so I think that the three guys that they have out injured right now actually is pretty impactful. Well, yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty impactful. I mean, the, the, those injuries do matter, I, I and, and especially, like... The, the will he won't he of Gary, I think it adds yeah. to it's not just that he's not playing. I think it's the 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 back and forth that has that has happened that has made that a little uneasy. But we should yeah. find out by the way, maybe even live on the podcast what the preliminary injury report is for tomorrow. But even if they list him as probable for tomorrow, like we as we saw yesterday, we can't count on it until yeah, I mean Nasir getting back is it would be would be nice. Um, Nasir, you know. Nasir. From so what I've heard about Nasir is so so this coming end of this week is going to be the six weeks. Right. So the earliest that he could possibly be back would be the two Dallas games this weekend. I have heard nothing but positive things. I talked to somebody last week that said that the MRI that he had like a week ago as a follow up for the hip fracture came back clean and. Our guy Casey Holdall posted a video of him in Toronto pregame yesterday, like working out and running and jumping and getting shots up. And it seems like everything is good. I was told by somebody a couple of days ago that he might get, even if he gets cleared at the six weeks, which I think is still on track, 
it'll take a couple weeks of ramp up for him to get back into game shape because right now he hasn't been practicing or doing anything in practice. He's been like working with the trainers and doing his rehab and doing his physical therapy and stuff during like their practice times and their shoot arounds. So even if even once he's cleared to do full contact, they're not just going to throw him right back out there in a game after not playing for six weeks. They're going to, you know, let him, you know, get a week of practices in and get back into full, you know, conditioning. So we're thinking, I, I would I would guess probably more so the homestand after the uh, one-off road game in Denver would be the soonest we would see Nasir back. Just as I have no idea. Tomorrow is actually the two weeks since they said he'd be out two weeks. He's been off crutches, off the walking boot, so that's all good. But, you know, that ankle injury looked pretty bad. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for another week or two. So I don't really have any concrete updates on that. Well, I mean, he was effectively their sixth man for the whole season. Like he's, he's been like, I know Eubanks has played off the bench pretty much every game, but yeah. I mean, Winslow has been 